Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour number two of the show, Saints minicamp, beginning tomorrow. We'll get into that, and we'll talk about where the Saints might be the strongest and weakest as they enter camp. Andrew Doak of WWL-TV Channel 4 is going to join us at 9.20. The NFL Network had a fan bracket where the fans got to vote and kind of a um, a March Madness-style bracket with the best running backs and best wide receiver being voted on. Saquon Barkley won the best running back poll. Julio Jones, the best wide receiver poll. Were they right or wrong? I think they were probably wrong. We'll get into that. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com. How often should LSU baseball be expected to win a national championship? You can cast your vote there. I think it's reasonable expectation maybe about every 10 years for a basketball perspective, college basketball perspective. Remember Duke. If I said Duke and Final Fours, how many times do you think Duke in the last 15 years would have made a Final Four? Go ahead and muse on that for about 10 seconds. How many times do you think Duke, the bluest of blue bloods in college basketball, would have made a Final Four? Not even won a title, made a Final Four in the last 15 years. The answer is one. One time. I don't think it's unreasonable that LSU has made two College World Series final series and won one title in the last 10 years. Seems like reasonable level of success in the new era of college baseball that values parity. I didn't plan this to start this hour, but I've got to talk about it because what we just saw in Toronto and during the top of the hour news break, I had a chance to go back and watch and listen to it more so I could really have my own opinion on this without just, you know, tweet shouting or coming on air and and copying what everybody else says because oftentimes I don't agree with what everybody else says. <laughs> I think you probably uh, know that if you listen to the show long enough. But Kevin Durant was injured in Toronto. Same leg, same calf, it looks like, that he was dealing with before. Could not put any pressure on it, really. Went to the floor, had to be helped off the court. And we had Toronto fans cheering in exultation at Kevin Durant's injury. Not just, you know, the smattering of applause and then it gets booed down by the crowd. No, this was a full-throated entire arena, it sounded like, cheering at Kevin Durant's injury. That is disgusting. It's disturbing. And we're all sports fans here. Are we really devolving into this as sports fans? Is this the new standard that just because a guy plays for another team, a team that's been highly successful, and maybe you don't like Kevin Durant off the court, are you cheering for him to get injured? I mean, this is unacceptable. The entire city of Toronto should be ashamed of these classless idiots. It's gross. It's disgusting. Even Raptors players having to implore the crowd to shut up. That was as bad of a reaction, as classless of a reaction to any injury than I can ever remember. 
I mean, man, the Saints and Falcons have perhaps right now the most bitter sports rivalry in America. It's certainly one of them. Every time a Saints player gets hurt in Atlanta, it's quiet and they cheer. Every time a Falcons player gets hurt in the Superdome, Saints fans stop and they cheer and they're silent until they know whether the player's, you know, okay or not. I've seen it countless times in every sport. I've never seen something like this. Once in a while, you'll have what I think is a little bit too large of a portion of the fans cheering. They're almost always immediately shouted down by the own fans and told to shut up. It didn't happen in Toronto. What a flex by the city of Toronto there. I opened the show, I told you, it seemed like everybody was rooting for Toronto and the Raptors, we the North, college atmosphere up there, everybody getting behind them against the big bad Warriors. I mean, seriously, you want to talk about something that's going to make the entire world root against your team? It's that. That's gross. I don't want them to win a title now just because of that. How disgusting. We don't have the rights to play the audio for you. It's being broadcast by a rival network, but... You can go, you know, during our next break, check on your phones or something if you're not driving and and go see it. I, I t- retweeted it at Seth Dunlap on Twitter. We'll see it there. I mean, really, it's 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 gross. It's disgusting. I'm fine. Look, I, I know I get fired up about a lot of things, but th- that's just bad. That's just bad. I'm, t- I'm talking inside the fraternity here. We're all fans. I hope and I haven't here in New Orleans ever seen something like this. We're better than this, I think. I thought Canada was supposed to be the polite ones. Right? Logan's behind the glass. He's going, right? Yeah. Canada's supposed to be the ultra polite, I'm sorry, thank you, people, country. Well, not tonight. Jeez. Bad look, Toronto. Bad look. I wonder what Drake was doing during that. I could get a shot of him. Let's go to Pierre really quickly on the phone lines. Pierre in Gentilly. Welcome to the show. I'm good, Pierre. What's up tonight? Um, I know everybody's uh, morning LSU, but I wanted to call because um, over the weekend I seen an um, interview, I guess it was pre-draft interview with Dion, mm-hmm. and it really impressed me, his mentality. And uh, one of the things that he said that really stuck out was that he didn't want to be like another LeBron or Michael Jordan. He wanted to be the first Zion. Yeah. So I, think, I just think his mentality even more than his, you know, his athleticism, it, it, you know, was really in, in impressing me with him. Yeah, and that's exactly, exactly the attitude that he should have. That's a great point, Pierre. LeBron James had the same thing, and he was saying the same thing the moment he came into the league. Didn't like the comparisons. Wanted to be the first LeBron, not the second MJ. I think Zion's going to be the first Zion. He's just a freakish athlete like we've never seen before uh, in the NBA. We're going to take a break here and come back. Andrew Doak of WWL-TV Channel 4 will join us. We'll talk a little Saints minicamp. Also, we'll look back at the college baseball super regionals and LSU falling to Florida State. Andrew was out there with me for that over the weekend. It's the last lap continuing on WWL. Welcome back to the show. They've gone to halftime in Toronto. It's the Warriors 62 and the Raptors 56. Again, Kevin Durant injured again. He's out. Cheers coming from the Toronto crowd. I it's, it's big-time shame in Toronto. Andrew Doak of WWL-TV Channel 4 is joining the program to talk a little Saints minicamp. We'll talk about what happened over in Baton Rouge over the weekend. He's at Andrew Doak underscore WWL on Twitter. What's up tonight, Andrew? How are you? 
What's up, man? Not not too much. Just got a took a little break from uh, working on the ten o'clock show, watching the NBA finals, and uh, joining you. Excited to be here, man. Uh, did, did you see the reaction up in Toronto? The the cheers. I mean, that that was a full throated cheers from seemed like everybody in the arena up there to, to Kevin Durant's injury. Yeah. Yeah, not a big fan of that. Not a big fan of that. You, you, I mean, look, I'm, uh, you know, all cards on the table. I'm rooting against the Warriors. I actually would like to see Toronto win and just kind of see the the uh, reigning champs fall. Uh, but you know, you never want to root against somebody getting hurt. What we do know, though, is that that was the it was an Achilles the whole time. Like, let's not let's yeah. not kid ourselves. Kevin Durant's Achilles was what was hurt. There was no calf uh, that was actually hurt. It was it was an, it was an Achilles. So uh, we know that. I, I don't think we're going to see him the rest of the series. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and that's what that was my first reaction too. Is he grabbed for that Achilles, and I don't know, maybe yeah. the Warriors will be subject to some kind of uh, you know league penalty for kind of falsifying their injury report because that wasn't an Achilles. You're right, Andrew. Um, let's go LSU first because you were out there with me the last couple of days. Yeah. Two great baseball games, Andrew. Two great baseball games, but again. Look, it didn't meet, didn't meet expectations coming into the seasons. It was kind of Omaha or bust. Even the players and Coach Maneri said that, and once again, the LSU falls short. I, I would agree. I think it, it, during the preseason, I mean, I think I, I even kind of bought into the hype with, you know, Zach Hess and Zach Watson coming back, um, as well as Antoine Duplantis. And then you add, you know, some free agents, essentially, if you want to term it that, with Josh Smith and Eric Walker coming back. Um, and then you have the number one recruiting class. And I kind of hopped on board this train by saying, yeah, man, this is a team that could win the national championship. And, and I truly felt that way. But I would tell you that from like the first or second week of the season, especially when they played Texas on the road and got swept from that point on, they, this team just never passed the eye test. Um, and I know as much frustration as there was for fans last night um, that LSU is not back in Omaha just my personal opinion, that was not a team that was going to be able to win at all. Like, I, I just, I, from the midweek games that they dropped, from the inconsistency that they had, from the the, the lack of health from their starting rotation, um, I, I, they just weren't someone who was going to do any damage in Omaha, Nebraska. In my opinion, they probably would have gone 0-2 barbecue. Uh, but I would say I still think they, you know, have, have a – you know, some good times ahead of them, especially next season. I think they're going to have a good core. But, look, I think one, one thing that I would just say to wrap up my thoughts on LSU baseball, at least initially, people that are LSU baseball fans need to realize this isn't the 90s anymore. There's parity in college baseball. There are teams out there who recruit well, who have other talent that is just as good as yours. Just because Paul Maneri doesn't win a national championship every single season doesn't mean that you need to call for his head and say that we need a new head baseball coach. This is one of the best baseball coaches in America, and I would stand by that statement for a long time. It's great stuff here from Andrew Doka, WWL-TV Channel 4. Were, were you as surprised? Maybe that's the wrong word. At least did you have your eyes open as much as me by LSU fans who spent the weekend um, showing adulation and you know kind of pomp and circumstance for Mike Martin, which they should have, but in the same time, a guy who has a very similar career path and certainly more titles – and title game or title series appearances in Paul Maneri, trying to run him out of town. I thought it was very eye-opening, Andrew. No, I agree. And, and uh, last night, Ricardo LeCompte asked me on fourth down on four, like, do, do you think that after, you know, a performance like this where you don't get back to Omaha, like people should be thinking, should people be thinking about, uh, you know, if they need to, to try, a, you know, um, a new head coach at LSU to be able to get them over the hump because Paul Maneri only has one national title uh, in the 13 seasons that he's been there. Let me tell you something. Mike Martin, the winningest coach 
in college baseball history. He's been at Florida State 47 seasons. He has 40 straight seasons of 40 or more wins. He's been to Omaha, including this year, 17 times. Guess how many national titles he has? Zero. The guy has none. It takes some luck in college baseball to be able to win this whole thing. My alma mater, Texas Tech, is going to Omaha for the fourth time in six years. They haven't won one. Like, it's hard to go to Omaha and win. Baseball, it's, it's a fickle, funny game. Like, it just you've got to have some luck involved, and it, it's not always the best team that trots out there that's going to win. It just doesn't always work that way. So I think sometimes the expectations are that you've you got to win it every year, and, and I, I just don't know where that comes from. And I, I understand fans being passionate, but, man, like, you just got to understand, like, other teams out there are playing at a different level now, and there's not just like a select group of schools like there used to be that are in Omaha every year that that are battling it out. Like the field is so much wider, and that's why you've seen, you know, over the last you know decade, decade and a half, teams like a Fresno State go and win it all, uh, Coastal Carolina. Like there there are more teams out there that are able to be able to get to that level, and you just gotta have things break your way. I love the veteran move, Andrew, by sneaking a little Texas Tech in there. I do that uh, you know, quite often. Here, sure. So that's <laughs> good. Andrew Doak's a yeah, Texas Tech alum, like you said there. They're heading to Omaha. Let's talk a little Saints here. And uh, mini sure. camp time, we're going to get a little better look at the roster. Andrew, what are you watching for this week? Well, I'm really excited to see uh, Jared Cook a little bit more in depth. Um, watching him during OTAs, like he was just someone who immediately, whenever they signed him, I think that he's going to be a difference maker, but he's definitely one of those guys where you walk into the Saints locker room and you see him on the field and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's this guy's going to make a difference for this Saints offense because you know that was you needed another threat opposite of Michael Thomas and he's going to be that this year almost in a similar way I did that last year with Demario Davis. I was like, this guy looks the part. He's what you need at at the linebacker position, and and I did that with Jared Cook. And then, um, I, you know, I think um, I, I think that. This secondary for the Saints is, is a group that I think is going to have the opportunity to, to take a step forward. Look, Eli Apple is going to have, you know, a full season under his belt after uh, this year. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in the future with him because they didn't pick up his fifth-year year option. But, look, I mean, I think Von Bell had a better year. You get Patrick Robinson back, who, you know, a couple of years ago for the Eagles was, you know, one of, like, the best-rated uh, slot corner. Um, and I think Marshawn Lattimore going into his third season – is going to be even better. So I, I think that's a group that I'm looking to take a step forward. And, and I think uh, speaking of guys that looked the part, Eric McCoy, um, you know, their first selection uh, in the second round of this year's NFL draft uh, was someone who looks the part and actually even kind of looks like Max Unger from a body style standpoint, which is kind of uh, almost creepy to see him out on the field, just how much he looks like Unger, the way he kind of waddles around and the way he walks. Um, so those are, those are, I guess, the three things that I'm kind of watching um, and uh, hopefully Drew Brees will be back out there. You know, we obviously know about that diamond lawsuit situation in San Diego that he was dealing with and missing one of those practices. So that's kind of what I'm keeping an eye on as they start training camp tomorrow. I love that word waddle you used with the centers. I actually use that word with my buddy T-Bob all the time. Man, you're just waddling around the house here. So I don't know. Something with yeah, centers. T-Bob waddles, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. That's something, something with centers. I don't know. Uh, look, out of left field, we're going to have fun with this next half hour, Andrew. Yeah. NFL Network had a fan bracket. Fans voted Saquon Barkley the best running back, Julio Jones the best receiver. Do you agree or who would you, who would you have as your best running back and receiver in the league? Oh goodness! Um, best running back. Um, 
Well, I mean, I mean, look, I know a lot of Saints fans probably want to hear Alvin Kamara. I mean, he, he would certainly be someone who's in the mix. I, I, look, I think Saquon Barkley still has a, probably another year of, of needing to prove it one more time. Um, I, I wouldn't disagree too much with him as being, you know, in the mix for the best running back. And then as far as best receivers concerned, um, you know, I think Julio Jones is great when it comes to yardage production. But, like, a lot of times you look up in the touchdown column and he just doesn't have that many. Um, I, You know, I probably uh, – it's tough, tough, right? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, no, yeah, it is. That's why I loved it. I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> I wanted to do it. I don't. I don't know who I'd say. Like, I, I want to take a shot at the the fans, but I don't know who I'd say myself. To be honest, I mean, well, if it, like if you were to literally make a make a wide receiver in a lab, like I think everyone would pick Julio Jones. Yeah, but I think I think probably outside of the distractions, I mean, from a talent standpoint, Odell Beckham. Um, maybe a, Antonio Brown. Uh, th- those are probably who I would kind of lean towards, but. Yeah, I mean, I think I think both those guys, Saquon Barkley and and uh, Julio Jones, you're not really going to go wrong with. I know that's kind of a soft answer. I'm sorry, I don't have a hotter take. <laughs> Come on, it's hot takes. It's sports I, I, radio, Andrew. I Come on. I wish I had more or something. Uh, uh, what's what's coming up at uh, ten o'clock in the ten o'clock sports broadcast on WWL TV? We're going to be talking about some of the uh, base running mistakes that LSU had uh, in that. Well, it was really kind of the entire weekend, but also um, also in their you know, game two against Florida state. Uh, also Marshawn Lattimore going into year three, um, how uh, bullish Sean Payton is on him. Uh, mini camp schedule for fans to be able to know uh, what days they're able to be able to get out there and what they need to bring and whatnot. And uh, we're going to tag it out with, um, there was a cool moment where Mike Martin actually called for uh, Devin Fontenot after the game to be able to meet him outside the post game room to, to tell him how, uh, how great he was so we'll have a little little story on that so this should be good yeah it should yeah. be good that's all coming up tonight at 10 o'clock on wwl tv check out andrew and his team there i'll have it on over my left shoulder here in the studio andrew always appreciate it man we'll talk again soon yeah you guys Seth. all right there yeah. he goes at andrew doke underscore wwl on twitter oh by the way tomorrow it's Women's World Cup, U.S. Opens. I will be partying hard in 10 o'clock hour. I'm going to start, uh, I don't know, I'm going to start taking a poll or petitions on where I should go. Probably going to be Finn McCool's, I would guess, unless somebody has a better place for me. We're going to take a break here. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. We'll talk a little NFL Network bracket. Who's the best receiver and running back in the league? Remember, fans on the NFL Network voted for Saquon Barkley and Julio Jones. Plus, more updates on the NBA Finals. And a texter is begging me to read a tweet. It's going to be a text of his or hers. I will do that. Phone lines, 504-260-1870. Give us a call there, wherever you are, across the state, across the country, across the world. 504-260-1870. The text line is 870-870. The last lap continues on WWL. Start of the second half, nine-point lead for the Golden State Warriors, 67-56. Kevin Durant injured. More videos surfacing on Twitter of that injury certainly look like something popped in his right leg, whether that's a calf Achilles. Look, I'm no medical expert. We have some doctors. Dr. Chow, who has been on the program before, says Achilles. Others say, hey, we don't know yet. Whatever it is devastating injury especially for a guy who was coming back to try to save his team's championship hopes entering unrestricted free agency if that's an Achilles injury you're talking about a guy who's going to lose tens of millions of dollars maybe even more than that incredible I've never understood the Kevin Durant hate I just don't I don't I know he's done some stupid stuff like the 
burner account on social media. But as far as stupid things that athletes do, that is very minor. Like the same people who are celebrating Tyree Kill and wanting him to play, and I've seen you out there, are some of the same people that say, oh, I love Tyreek. Oh, I hate Kevin Durant. Like, what are you talking about? Get real here. All right, I'm going to read a text here from the 985 because he begged me to read it. Cry baby, just like the whole city signing a petition for a no call, they're trying to win a championship. Now, that's in response to me saying that Toronto's reaction in cheering, and I'm not just talking about a smattering of cheers. This is the whole arena. A lot of them standing up cheering when they saw Kevin Durant injured. And it was no mistake. It's not like they were cheering a bucket or something. This was 10, 15 seconds later, including when he started to get helped off of the court by a couple of people. So, again, from the 985 crybaby, like the whole city signing a petition for a no call, they're trying to win a championship. Let me break apart that text further. I am also one, and I, I don't know. I'm glad you're listening tonight, 985, but I don't. you obviously weren't listening to this program when those petitions started to surface. And we also had a lawsuit last week. I ripped those to shreds. I thought those were stupid. I thought those were unwarranted and make the and made the entire city and fan base look silly. So I'm with you on the petitions being silly, but I don't know how that conflates into, well, good on Toronto for cheering an injury. He goes on, or she goes on from the 985, but you won't read that on the air. Mute, you don't have to... Sure, you did, and that's what matters. By the way, I asked him, you sure you want me to read that? And he kind of said yes. Again, I'm just going to read that again. But you won't read that on air. Mute, you don't have to. Sure, you did, and that's what matters. I don't really know what that means. So there you go. Uh, text from the 504, I'm disappointed that you didn't say Michael Thomas. It's not even close. Can't guard Mike all day. Come on, Seth. Well, I haven't gotten to it yet. I didn't I didn't really answer specifically. I just said it would be hard for me to name, when I was talking with Andrew Doak, the best running back and receiver in the league. We'll get to that in just a second in an NFL Network broadcast pool. More text and phone calls coming also. We'll go to Jay in Baton Rouge on the phone lines. Jay, what's going on tonight? Hey, Seth. How's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Uh, what's up? got a quick question for you or your thoughts on something all the pitchers that lsu had injured this season is it do you think it's a allen dunn issue and not coaching up the pitchers right and they're getting hurt or do you think it's possibly the trainers not training them right and also do do we need a new batting coach and, I mean, I think Maneri is a good coach. He's a great coach. Maybe some of the other coaches need to go. But I want your thoughts on the on the pitching injuries. What you think about that? Yeah, it's a good question, Jay. And I'm not trying to dodge here, but I, I, I really hesitate to answer any kind of medical questions on, on the air because that's just conjecture on my part. And a lot of times I hear irresponsible conjecture on broadcast television and radio, and I don't really want to take part in that. I do firmly believe – that the rash of injuries to pitchers at all levels of baseball, and really starting in high school, going to college, to the minors and into the major leagues, I mean, we've just never seen anything like this in the history of baseball. This goes to how pitchers are being used and taught at a very young level. They're being burnt out. We have this incredible emphasis on velocity and kids throwing as hard as they can when that's something you just should not do, period almost at any level of baseball, but especially when your arm's developing, I don't blame that on on Alan Dunn and the staff at all. I mean, that, that's just a systemic problem in baseball. What I will 
say about Alan Dunn and the coaching staff is they've had a little inability the last couple of years, last two or three recruiting classes, to develop top-flight pitchers even though they're getting top-level recruits. Now, as Hunt Palmer pointed out on this program, Dunn and Maneri and this staff, a lot of it's still intact, have done a great job of developing guys before that, whether that's Lang or Poche or, or Nola. But lately, it just hasn't happened. And now that you have injuries to guys like Cole Henry, Jaden Hill this year, you got to start to wonder, are, are, are these guys, can we really count on these guys to turn into that dominant staff that a lot of LSU fans expect next year? I don't know. Good questions, though, Jay. Thanks for the call. We'll go to Derek and Gonzalez. Derek, welcome to the show. Hey, Seth. How you doing today? Man? Man, I'm good, man. What's up? Hey, before I get to my question, I just want to say one quick thing. This is for all the people that cheer when athletes get hurt, man. You're very classless when you do that. That's very classless. I don't like that. That's poor sportsmanship. You know, you should never cheer for someone to get hurt. That's somebody's job. And secondly, I don't know about best running back. I'm not trying to be a homer, but I could go best wide receiver. I have to go Michael Thomas. That dude is like a bully, man. When he, I mean, Julio Jones run past people with his speed, but Mike Thomas is just so physical, and he's just a bully, man. Did you see how he just yeah. totally messed, messed over Marcus Peters in that game? No, I did. No, Derek, look, I, I am – look, I'll say it now because we, we, we ran out of – a ton of time to talk about this, but I really wanted your reaction to this more than mine, to be honest. A lot of times I want segments where I'm giving my commentary. This is one where I wanted your opinion more than mine. Again, the NFL Network bracket, if you're wondering what Derek and I are talking about here, they had kind of this bracket fan poll that went on uh, last couple of weeks where the fans voted on the best running back in the NFL. Fans chose Saquon Barkley, and then they had the best wide receiver in the NFL. You had a tie, a relative tie between DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones, and Julio Jones won in kind of the tiebreaker round. Uh, I definitely wouldn't say Julio anymore. Two years ago, Julio would have been my pick. I would probably either say Michael Thomas, or I would say DeAndre Hopkins. And there's an argument, even though he has been obnoxious as heck off the field, and I just I can't stand his personality and his me-first attitude. But Antonio Brown still, I think, has a claim to being one of the best all-around receivers in the NFL. That wouldn't be Julio for me. It wouldn't. It'd be Michael Thomas, and I'm really trying to be objective about this. Probably be Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins. But who do you say? Give us a call, 504 504- 260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Text from the 504. Saquon Barkley, probably best running back. Wide receiver, probably Michael Thomas or Antonio Brown. Well, you kind of agreeing with me there. Uh, Saquon Barkley, no, not yet for me. No, no way, not yet. He's had one year, pretty good rookie year. Matter of fact, for a rookie, great rookie year. I think I'd still go Ezekiel Elliott. He's just proven over a longer period of time. He's even done it behind some banged-up offensive lines the last couple of years, even though his production has dipped a little bit. But let's be honest, anybody's production is going to dip when you have guys like Tyron Smith over at left tackle sitting out a significant amount of time and the departures that they've had in free agency on that offensive line. I'd probably still go Zeke. Alvin Kamara certainly would be in my top four or so. Running back's a little trickier, though. 
Running back's a little trickier because the position has been devalued. What I mean by the position has been devalued, you can find big-time production from a numbers perspective in places almost every year that you never expect to find it. You know a guy who I'd also have up there? He wouldn't be in my top five, but he'd be close. Would be Christian McCaffrey. And that's me as somebody who was really questioning the Panthers drafting Christian McCaffrey in the top uh, uh, 10 of the draft couple of seasons ago I thought boy it's it's that's a reach there a guy is a little smaller I don't know if he can be a lead back in the NFL I, I mean how, how could he not be impressed with Christian McCaffrey last year he's gonna have a long really good career in the NFL I'm not gonna bash people who say Saquon just for me kind of like Andrew Doak says I don't think I'd say Saquon because he's only had one year in the league text from the 985 Hopkins gets great numbers with some bad quarterbacks Thomas has Breeze as a QB. Well, look, I'm not going to compare Deshaun Watson to Drew Brees. Nobody is, nobody should. However, Deshaun Watson is not a bad quarterback at all. Look at the numbers from the last couple of years. And if you want to look beyond the numbers, let's watch the film. DeAndre Hopkins, I believe, when we did our quarterback rank a couple of weeks ago, I had him in my tier number two. We did these tiers, tiers one through six. One was the elite two was uh i forget what we titled it but it was basically the almost elite tier and i think i had six guys in the elite i think i had six guys in that second tier and deandre hopkins is there for me uh, deandre hopkins uh, deshaun watson is there for me he's he's mobile enough even with the injuries great arm pretty good decision making skills and frankly he's just a winner i love me from deshaun watson i again kind of like christian mccaffrey i was i was questioning whether that Bill O'Brien could actually develop this guy. I know Bill O'Brien has been touted as this you know, quarterback guru all the way back to his days at New England. They had not been a big winner at Houston. I'll tell you this, I think Deshaun Watson's going to be the starting quarterback in Houston a lot longer than Bill O'Brien's going to be the head coach. Text from the 985, I go Le'Veon Bell from two years ago. Yeah, just a couple of years ago? Absolutely. I think Le'Veon Bell would have been your answer if it wasn't Ezekiel Elliott a couple of years ago. But I, you can't say Le'Veon Bell now when he didn't play last week, uh, last year. Text from the 504, I was talking about the Women's World Cup and the U.S. soccer game tomorrow. Seth, what time did you say the U.S. Women's soccer game starts? It's tomorrow at 2 o'clock local time, central time here in New Orleans. They take on Thailand. It's their first match in group play of the World Cup. Uh, we're going to talk about this more in the 10 o'clock hour. Folks, I will tell you, I am all in for the Women's World Cup. I love international soccer, and from a World Cup perspective, the Women's World Cup, once you get to knockout play, group play, because there's not as many premier programs, uh, from a country perspective, as many premier countries who have programs on the elite level like a United States or a Japan or a Germany uh, group play can get a little boring is the wrong word but you kind of know the outcome like the, the united states it would be an all-time upset if they lost to thailand tomorrow but once you get into knockout play it, it is high level drama i love it so two o'clock tomorrow i'm trying to think of where i want to watch this i think i'm gonna go to finn mccool's before i come in here to work but i'm not quite sure so i don't know maybe you can convince me to go somewhere and meet y'all out there phone lines are open at 504-260-1870 our text Line is 870-870. And tonight, our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at www.com. How often should LSU baseball be expected to win a national championship? Every year? Every five years? 10 years? 20 years? Never? You tell us. Pretty even vote before. 
Another look at the NBA Finals, mid-third quarter, 77-67. Warriors lead the Raptors. 26 points for Steph Curry, who is having himself an unbelievable NBA Finals and really an unbelievable run here in the playoffs without Kevin Durant. If the Warriors somehow come back and win three games and win this series, Steph Curry is the automatic Finals MVP. An accolade that he's never won. He's won a couple of uh, regular season MVPs, never won a Finals MVP. Four of nine from three, six of six from the free throw line. Five assists, three rebounds. A little more balance for the Raptors. 17 points from Mark Gasol. Siakam with 12. Kawhi Leonard with 13. Kawhi filling up the stat sheet like usual. Eight rebounds, five assists, a couple of steals, a block, although he does have four turnovers there. Boogie Cousins off the bench for the Warriors. Nine points in just six minutes. Good little day so far for Boogie. Four of five from the field. Drawn a little closer now. 71 to 77. This game's in Toronto. If you're just joining us, Kevin Durant injured earlier, went down with what looked like, frankly, it looked like an Achilles injury. I don't know, though. Some people are saying oh, it might not be. You could see something pop on the replays. It was the same leg that he was dealing with that injury. The bad part, well, look, the injury was bad enough to that guy. I don't care if you like him or dislike him. Let's be honest here. That's just a terrible injury to any star in any sport. It's more fun to watch basketball, especially finals basketball, when Kevin Durant is playing when he's not. But outside of that, Toronto Raptors, their fans – cheering vociferously that injury i retweeted that video if you want it at seth dunlap text from the 504 i'd like to hear that quarterback tier again uh, we're not going to do that on air but if you search we can probably just put it into a google search but definitely if you search the wwl site you'll find my article there just just type in like nfl quarterback tiers seth dunlap something like that and you'll find it maybe i'll tweet it out again i don't know We'll take a break here. When we come back, more of your phone calls and text 504-260-1870. Text line 87870. It's the last lap here on WWL. Talking about overuse of youth pitchers earlier this hour. Text from the 985 comes in. How about a nine-year-old kid and attorney that throws 119 pitches in one game? I'd have to know when the kid pitched last, how long of a break he had. A little more of the scenarios there. I'm not necessarily opposed to... If, if that kid's only pitching one game in the week, I don't know if 119 pitches on its face concerns me, but if you're saying he threw 119 pitches and then he was back out there, I don't know, three or four days later, heck, even five days later, throwing again, which is probably the case when you talk about youth baseball, then I'd be concerned. I know we had some weird schedules in high school baseball up in Washington State because of the weather. And it was snowing up there a lot of times. It was cold. We weren't able to play year-round. And even when we got started, we'd have sometimes like a game on Friday, a game on Saturday, and then you wouldn't play again until the next Friday because they really wanted to limit the opportunity for rainouts or sometimes even snowouts up there if it was like late March. Uh, I do remember a couple of times when I knew I was going to have a full week off that we tracked pitch counts, not innings. We tracked pitch counts up there. And – I think I got close to that number. I don't know if I ever hit 119. I know I got into triple digits a couple of times, at least in my junior and senior years, but they were pretty diligent. I will say, in my own perspective looking back, I, I was overused at practice. And what I mean by that is I would – and this didn't happen necessarily after the you know 100-pitch games, the couple of them that I had. But if I was throwing on a Saturday, we'd have Sunday off. By Monday or Tuesday, I was out throwing – basically inter-squad scrimmages 
because I love that so much. And I love to do it. Like, I'd be the kid volunteering to my high school coach going, you know, coach, I want to I throw here. I want to throw to our guys. You're kind of, you know, the big bad bully of our league, one of the top-ranked teams in the state usually. So I always enjoyed pitching to our guys more than I, I did. I thought it was more challenging to pitch to some of the other guys. But that was probably dumb because looking back, my arm was perpetually tired. Probably cost me at least some kind of, you know, extended college career. Bad, but that, I don't really blame my high school coach for that. I don't know. Maybe I should. I don't, though. I and mean, that was more of me the pressure him to let that happen. Yeah, overuse of youth pitchers is a, is a big time problem. Big time problem that I think there needs to be more regulations about in these youth organizations and in, in high, high school athletic associations, also. Here's a text from the 985. Seth, I'll say I'm one of those fans that just appreciates the fact that I can talk about LSU in the postseason almost every year. Go Tigers. You should appreciate that. Don't take that for granted. Don't take it for granted. Look at LSU. Uh, LSU. Look at Louisville basketball. Louisville basketball was a consistent national championship contender for most of this millennium until Rick Pitino got fired. Now, Rick Pitino got fired for some very seedy things that he did recruiting-wise. I get it isn't the same. It's not apples to apples. My point is here, just because they're Louisville, they're not a national championship contender every year. They can't plug in whatever head coach and whatever system they want there in the, the parity-driven league uh, and parity, uh, parity-driven ACC and also the parity-driven landscape of college basketball and expect to go out there and win every year. And expect to be a title contender every year and have those expectations. Now, Patino had them rolling. Point is here for Maneri and LSU. They're in the conversation almost every year for SEC titles. And they're in the conversation about going to Omaha, yeah, every single year when it comes to the postseason. Here's a text from the 504, I do think LSU baseball should be expected to win an Addy more than once every 10 years. That's tough. That's really tough for me. You're talking about winning a national championship. Hundreds of programs out there. And, and some of those programs will never sniff Omaha. Certainly will never sniff a national championship. But if you're talking just about not only the Power Five programs, but also the leagues and schools who we've seen make runs there before, a lot of the Cal schools, schools like Coastal Carolina, Stony Brook did it. I don't know LSU fans know that. You're probably talking about a good 70 to 80 programs on any given year that have a chance not only to make it to Omaha, but at least a realistic possibility. They could make a run and win a national title. Win a title once every out of every ten years in that kind of college baseball landscape, I think is a pretty daunting task. I, I compare this to college basketball and Duke. I asked this question last hour. If I said Duke basketball, again, the bluest of the blue bloods, and I said how many Final Fours do you think they've made in the last 15 years? The answer is one. One. They've got top recruiting classes every year. Big-time prospects. They've got a Hall of Fame coach that certainly isn't going anywhere. 
their fans expect them to make deep NCAA tournament runs every year. Even the Cameron crazies and the Duke basketball fans, they're not expecting Duke and Coach K to win NCAA basketball championships every single year. It's unrealistic. LSU should be making the what is equitable to the Sweet 16, I think, every year. I think that's realistic. I think anything less than that's the Super Regionals in college baseball, I think you'd classify that as a disappointment for this program. Just like if Duke or Michigan State or Kentucky or Gonzaga isn't making a Sweet 16, Virginia now certainly would be in there, Villanova, that would be a disappointment. Elite Eight runs, which would be Omaha, I think every couple of years, two, three years, legitimate final four or final series runs every handful of years certainly I think is reasonable. One more hour of the show to come. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 